0: Hello and welcome to the Sprint Podcast. The Sprint Podcast is a meeting place for all things Agile and product related. In each episode, we'll talk to some of the most knowledgeable people from the space and pick their brains on what is happening out there in the world of product and Agile. Welcome welcome to the podcast, both of you. Thank you so much for, for being here. Um, I suppose this is it's a little bit different, actually, in that firstly, I haven't had two people on like this before. Um, so I'm very excited about that. And secondly, we're talking about something that is sort of to do with agile, or could be if you're creative enough. I don't know, Kit. I suppose that's going to be your bag. Um, so today we've got Kit, friend, uh, who is a business agility senior manager at Accenture. Is that right? Is that yeah. Right? Not, I mean, it's a funny job title. They, they assign you automatically
1: from the uh, enterprise directory, I think. So, oh, right. okay. It's that sounds the, pretty good. It's relatively sensible on the scale of yeah, the, I
0: that. Yeah, actually, yeah.
1: Yeah. I had like um, something of like business and technology innovation principle once that was so you that turn of the real level, but yeah, that'll leave me currently.
0: I like that. Um and we've also got Michael Fern, um who Michael, I I I'm gonna try and do you justice here. You're an expert in Lego serious play and you either wrote the book or a book on Lego serious play. Let's call it a book
2: on Lego serious <laughs> play. But yeah, yeah. Now, thanks, Chris. And yeah, so I'm a I'm a facilitator, and I get to choose my own title because I run my own business. So I'll call yeah. myself whatever. But no, I I, I do Lego Serious Play, which is what we're going
0: to talk about. So. That's awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Um, Kit, you a little while back introduced me to Lego Serious Play. Um, during Sanchez, um, Agile and Wonderland event, and I thought it was amazing. I didn't really know what I was doing. I kind of just threw myself into it. And so today, I thought we could maybe start with. What is Lego Serious Play, and then we'll move into how it can be applicable to agile and in other areas of our professional lives. I suppose.
1: Yeah, and I guess I'd say it might not be the book, but it's probably the book people should read after this podcast. <laughs> I yeah, got, got a
0: plug. Like, this is go for it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I feel like Michael should probably introduce it, and then I'll do a bit of context things. Like as you wrote, a, a book, the book, Michael. Like, like, how, how do you do the one liner for people?
2: Um, oh, I don't. I almost don't think you can fit it into one line. But um, for me the way I try to sum up Lego series play is just having a different conversation. Um, we do, we do all these conversations. We have meetings, we have workshops, we have classes in all these different contexts. And yeah, Lego series play is just a way to change that. I think that's the way I sum up, up the method and not, we'll get more into it. There's lots of things
0: in that, but um, yeah, it's just changing it up. So let me, let me, ask the question. So I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm the the kind of newest to this. Um, I'm the newbie. So i ask questions, I suppose, for myself, but also for the audience, for people who have never really experienced Lego series play. So what is it, first of all?
2: As I mentioned before, so it's it's a method that we use
0: in lots of different contexts. So meetings
2: and workshops and even classrooms now in education. Um, and we, the process we use or the way we do those things at the moment is very well-worn. Like we go into these rooms, these classes, and we know how to do them. Um, And what Lego Series Play does is it tries to layer in a few different things to change the way we do that, to change the way we do meetings, change the way we do workshops. And it does that in lots of different ways. I mean, the obvious one is we're using a different medium. We're using a Lego brick um, and we get people to use it in unique ways. So that's that's one change that we make. Um, We also get people to sort of dive into their natural abilities in telling stories and using metaphors and all these other different sort of characteristics. We also layer in some facilitation techniques. So there's this idea of turn taking and a whole bunch of other things we put in there. And it, it all becomes this beautiful mix and this beautiful process that, that steps people through really the work that we're already going to do, but just in a different way. And, and the whole purpose of it is at the other end, at the end of the meeting or the workshop or whatever, you want to spit out something different. You know, you want people to feel engaged. You want them to have different insights. And in the end, you want them to do something different. It's all about the action and the change. Um, so if that's, if I can start playing a serious play, it's that it's
0: it's changed that process and you change the outcome. That makes sense. And is, is it something that teams or organizations are suppo- supposed to use on a regular basis? Or is this for kind of like a special event or, you know, like an annual planning meeting or something like that? Mm. Oh, that that's just a really good and
2: hot question, Chris. Um, I think the jury's out on whether you should use it as, you know, ongoing or just one-off. I mean, traditionally, it's been used one-off. So, strategy day, big event, let's get the group together and do something sort of novel and unique. Um, but then there are other people starting to use it more as just business as usual. Like, it's another post-it note. It's another whiteboard. It's another technique. Mm. Just do what you're already going to do. Um, so, you can use it both ways. Um, probably more so at the moment, it's it's the the one-off. But more and more, as as here, you can probably jump in here and start to talk about how
1: you're going to use it or you are using it. But more and more, it's getting used day to day. Yeah, I think it's about having something else in your toolkit, right? And yeah. for audiences, and I'm generally thinking with a, like a corporate audience who are used to a certain set of vocabulary, I often find it um, easiest to begin the conversation by describing it as like a kind of design thinking approach. Um, that's not because that's necessarily the most accurate description, but it. Gives people something that they're happy with phrasing to kind of like jump there. So you think, oh, it's about iteration and ideation. And um, I think that, like, to Mike's point, like, and with any of these sort of facilitation techniques where people are like, oh, that was really great when we did that, like, rose thorn or whatever it might be. I, I think it's uh, it suffers if you overuse them. So it's good to maintain some degree of specialness, but it can be great if you use it as part of a regular cadence. So I'm still starting my LSP journey fairly early. I can imagine it'd be great for something like when you want to bring together people maybe annually together to like review a roadmap or refresh or look at strategy. Yeah. I wouldn't use it every single sprint for a Scrum team's retro, for example. Um, but equally, once in a while, might be great. Um, but some yeah. of these things lose their polish and
0: magic if you overuse them. So, yeah, that's, that's you know what I was thinking, and it's certainly a memorable thing. As I say, I've only done it the once with you, Kit, and I remember it. You know exactly. And if you think about how many meetings we have that I absolutely can't remember, you know, it's definitely. It's impactful, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean I did a promotional mailer to the folks in the Accenture Brisbane office and I was like, let's just admit it. No one really likes sitting down to watch a slide deck, even that you spent hours polishing over. <laughs> and I, I, I can't remember any meeting where I genuinely really expected everyone to be hundred percent focused. So yes. you've got a context where you genuinely need everyone to contribute and be actively participating and forming something together. I think you can't beat it. Um And it's kind of for exactly the reason that you spoke about in your introduction, Chris, around things and that you you sat there and you didn't know quite what you were doing, but you kind of got involved anyway. Yeah. There's very few techniques or approaches where that's okay. And like, it's fine for you to just jump in. Um, I had my first guinea pig session on Friday with an arts organization, uh, Super Ordinary. And like one of the artists just wandered in uh, and had no context, but he sat down and got involved. And like, he was a bit confused, but like, he still produced something really interesting. And it became part of that. And I can't think of any other technique where you could have someone jump in that wasn't planned in any sense and still get them involved through the
0: process. Yeah, that makes sense. So are there any limitations then in terms of scenarios where you categorically wouldn't use Lego serious play? Oh, oh, yes. Yes, <laughs> there are some. I'd <laughs> be pretty worried if I went to or something and the lawyers started getting Lego out. I don't know, that wouldn't feel right. <laughs> well,
2: I, th- I think the way I, the way I phrase it for people about you know when not to use Lego serious players really thinking deeply about what it is it's it's what i call a generative method which means that the group that you're getting to do it they're the ones generating the answers like it's not a i'm i'm an expert i'm bringing you know a method and some answers and imparting knowledge it's all about the team the group and the people in there you're just trying to get it out of them that's what the role of the lego series Play facilitator is is to run a method it's just true facilitation it's like getting that out of them so It's not good to use when that's not in them, (laughs) and so it makes sense if you're pitching questions or you're doing a topic where they don't maybe have a lived experience or they don't have a lot of knowledge around it. And I think of an example. I actually used it with some graduates, and I was I was doing innovation, and I was asking, well, what makes successful innovation? And and they were bringing out a lot of sort of Steve Jobs, Elon Musk type answers, very sort of surface level and shallow because they didn't really have a lot of lived experience with that. And so to me, that's the first thing not to use it for is it, it's it's about them having the answers and um you just got to make sure that you're asking questions around that um and so one of the special cases is things like training everyone's like oh can i use it in training and you can but again it's not about imparting knowledge it's about them coming up with yeah. their own knowledge and so probably probably that's the biggest one there are edge cases where i wouldn't use it but that's probably the biggest one is just thinking if they have the answer and if they don't have the answer then don't use Lego serious Play.
1: That makes sense. And one of the biggest reveals for me as well was, like, you can use Lego without it being Lego serious play. And there's plenty of the scenarios that, like, quite outlined is where it doesn't work, where, like, you could use Lego in that context. So things like prototyping, uh, or I've used Lego to help teach Agile courses where we're simulating delivery. It's a great use of Lego. It's not Lego serious play. though, um, And that's fine. And I think it's, a, it's really good for people to be okay with that. It's not like a, a strike on your naughty list, if you're... Yeah. Doing well. But it's good to appreciate what we're talking about here is a specific method with specific steps and logic and kind of success criteria. And in a way, I think it's actually really good to be very clear with people around that. I had an email exchange with a colleague the other day who was like, can we combine this with like mechanical engineering? And I was like, maybe just do not though, like maybe (laughs) just do it for the specific thing. If you want to do a bit of engineering and look at things, by all means use Lego, but let's just work out whether LSP is the right method. To fit your outcome that you want to have it there, because where it flourishes is this like, there's no right answer. We need to come together and bring people would share things. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it's for. Um, other scenarios, Lego is such a versatile medium, you can use it, but you don't necessarily have to use LSP. Uh, to get those
2: out. There's one more thing I wanted to mention as well that's been on my mind around this. I've been thinking about it a fair bit. So it's about psychological safety. And so what Lego Series Play does is it's, it's all built on engagement and, and basically sharing your views, your opinions, what you think about the thing that you're there to talk about. And so if you're, if you're going into a culture that is just so low on psychological safety, then I'm not, I'm not sure Lego Series Play is your first port of call for a method um, because you want people to feel comfortable to share that. And yes. so I say, if there's a little bit of psychological safety, Lego serious play can really sort of burst it open and give, and, and build more trust. So that's another place where I would just be wary in, in terms of really assess the culture of what, what you're going in with.
0: That's a good point, actually. Cause it, even if I think back to the session that you ran kit, OB, it was, it was short and it was part of a larger day. After that session, I felt way more comfortable in the room than I had been feeling previous to that. Mm. So that, that definitely rings true.
1: Yeah, and your your audience are primarily or at least aspirationally part of our agile spectrum, right? So a a load of them are probably going retro, retro, retro now in their head. And I think there's a lot of truth to that, right? And that presumably if you're doing a retro, there's at least some degree even aspirational of that openness. I think it'd be really great in those scenarios. Um, Yeah. The bit I really love as part of that is how LSP is like a superpower for bringing out quieter team members in a way that we really struggle as agileists to elsewhere. Because the whole magic, right, is that it's not about being a wonderful verbalizer or even like someone who can illustrate their ideas like it gives you that low fidelity everyone can do it like it's that immediacy which can enable you to communicate that. and every session that i've run or been part of you see people amazingly open up often about quite personal things in ways that i don't think yeah any other that
0: does in that circumstance and again that that was my experience of it i can't remember the exact thing that you directed us to do but it was something like how do you see yourself at work or something like that and it kind of it did get quite deep for some people it was that building a tear of you wasn't it i i I still of you Mine was about work i remember i I was i had the front door of my house on one side of a bridge and what was supposed to be the office and i was balancing between the two trying to get it right between being a dad and a family man and a professional that was that was it so there you go one thing I loved as well with Lego Series Play is it almost allows you to
2: choose your level of involvement, which goes to your point. Like some people go really deep. Like in that that warm-up activity that Kit just described and Chris, you experienced, I've done it a lot. And I've had I've actually had people crying during it, like in a corporate environment. And you're like, whoa, hang on, what's happening here? Yeah. Um, and it was always a positive thing. People were expressing something that was obviously deep within them. Um, and that we, you know, as a group, we help them to move through it. But it just allows people, if they want to do surface, that's fine. Like, it doesn't have to be a therapy session. (laughs) It's just if they want to do surface level, you know, they can stick to work and who I am at work. But then some people go deep. and I think that's why one of the reasons it works so well is it it allows you to choose your your level of involvement. Um, And I think that can bring out a lot for some people and less for others, but it's all still good
1: maybe because it speaks to the kind of the places where you and I are involved in that we, we tend to be in a room of people who are engaging in knowledge work. And there's quite a lot of yourself that you bring to that kind of role in those areas. Yeah. there. So it, it probably naturally jumps into that level where you're quite deeply engaging with something and want to have a chat about you as part of those things. And yeah. Alice Biela, you, you, you almost mandatory come up with these things where you're physically grappling with an emotional problem, right? You're balancing of things, you know, I can't get the bricks to stick. And it's like, yes,
0: exactly. Like I can't do that in my walk life balance around things, but it becomes very quickly a physical articulation of your struggle. Yeah, that's right. And I wanted to ask, how how did you initially get introduced to Lego serious play? By not doing it is the the answer really. So we deliver
1: uh, a whole huge number of courses via a body called IC Agile every year. And, uh, Pre-COVID, we used to round up that course with a game of LEGO Island building, and it's great. So one of my ex-colleagues, Rod Dunn, uh, invented this amazing scenario where you're building island resorts uh, for a fictional island called Dunn which is a great uh, way to chew on a pun end of things. Um, and it got me really interested in using LEGO because it is, there's a sparkle to it, right? But everyone immediately has license to play, which we'll come back to, I'm sure, when we talk about this. Week. But... I had this sort of nagging guilt that I was doing that classic awful management consultant thing of not having any depth to the thing that I was talking through. Um, and so I was like, oh, I've heard this, like, there's a proper method and things. At some point I should do the science. And it actually took me moving continent and a half the world uh, to come to Australia to actually get my ass in gear and schedule some training with things. Um, I was like, okay, now I've got a clean slate, I should probably actually spend the time to engage and work out, like, have I been doing LSP but not known it? Or is it this extra special thing? Um, and then because LSP, which I'm sure we'll come to, is like fundamentally a community thing, right? It's it's co-owned, it's an open source framework, or it's using open source materials. Um, I found my way to Michael via some members of that community, which I think is really the marker of like when you know something's got proper ownership and the people are kind of trustable, is when that, there's that word of mouth recommendation. So um, it was really as a sense check of like, am I just being facetious and waving hands and using Lego, or is there something deep that we can bring it And I'm kind of glad that the answer is a bit of both. Like it's not that we were using Lego wrong and there was something we're missing. It wasn't LSP, but it was great that people were enjoying it. Yeah. But since like looking into it properly with Michael's guidance, I guess it's been really lovely to see that open up and go, okay, well, what we're using it for, that's a totally different outcome. But there's this whole set of things that we could use LSP for that has some genuine depth. Um, and in fact, it does way more than I expected around those that it enables us to engage with that strategic, vision y kind of conversation using
0: Lego as a medium. And so how have you been applying that in your world and with your customers and with your teams?
1: Yeah, so it's early days for us, or at least in my region. And it was funny, once I, I made the connection got a few of us upskilled in our Brisbane office, we then obviously instantly found like colleagues all over the world who were using LSP that we hadn't been able to find before, but we're actually kind of a bit broken. So that's really cool. And I think that, uh, echoing what Michael said earlier, in all sorts of contexts, but is that strategically vision bringing together people around an idea space where it plays most well. Um, I'm still trying to find opportunities locally to kind of shoot one in a way that's appropriate, not just because I want to. Um, yeah. But we used it really nicely in the session I referenced last week, which my first kind of local one, where we we're using it to bring together a team and get them to form a vision for how they were going to work together. In this case, to rebuild some digital components and experience of an arts organization. Um, and I wanted to use it really because it could be a very simple question of like, how do you want to refresh this website? Like, update WordPress, do these things there. But we had this sense that it would be such a loss for an arts organization not to explore more what they wanted that experience to be. Um, We could do that with Post-its and Lean Canvases and and whatnot, but using an LSP file, like, it would open up that discussion way more. Um, And it was really interesting to see, even in an organization where they are confident visual communicators and creators, there were things that came out of the LSP session that had never been mentioned, and you could see them, like, they were like, oh, we hadn't thought about, like, the need for three different onboarding journeys. We hadn't thought about, like, that there. Or or they hadn't communicated between each other, like, some of those areas there. Yeah. So, lesson Held that you around the table. But building it, being able to touch it and look at it and take it apart and combine it with other people's things, that enabled them to have a conversation in
0: a really different way. That's really cool. And so, we've kind of talked a little bit about the kind of high-level why and what it is. And can we get into, like, the granular aspect of it? If I'm walking into a session with you guys this afternoon... What should I expect? What should I see? What happens?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'll take that one. Well, some Lego to start with. So you walk in and you've got a pile of Lego in front of you, which is always fun. And it's a special type of Lego that um, is, is used for Lego serious play. We can talk about that later. But essentially, you've got to warm up to the method. So there's a very set way we go through warming up. And, and Chris, you experienced that where we talked about build a tower with you in it. There's a very clear process. because you need to take people from okay what the hell is this lego serious play thing weird business thing i've never seen you know this is the kids' stuff i step on it every morning or whatever but uh it's a it's a weird context so you need to really sort of almost like tick all the the boxes and the, the questions they have in their mind about what is it where did it come from who uses it why what's the science behind it so you really got to build that sort of it's almost like social proof and and legitimacy and credibility of it and, and you do that at the start and then you you get people to warm up to it by doing an activity i mean in the end we probably should say it here like the, the there's just four simple steps to lego series play and, and the first one is you ask a question and you know kit's mentioned some some great fantastic you know places to use it like in a vision so you could ask what's the vision you have for the team or the company over the next couple of years so you ask a question People build that, that's step two. They, they build their answer to that question in Lego and, and they do it individually and they don't have a lot of time. It's not like, you know, a 20, 25 minute build where you're building the Taj Mahal. It's really speedy, five minutes, let's get into it. Um, and, you know, after they've warmed up, they, they do their five minute build. Um, and at that point, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, I'm not that creative. I'm not that good at Lego. And in the end, it doesn't really matter because what they build is just this prompt step three which is the telling of the story which is their answer and so what they do is they you know you go around generally in smaller groups say six to eight people um they have their model they tell the story of it within a minute or two everyone listens they ask questions you know you get an understanding from kit and you get understanding from chris from his model and you just go around and you get like this this array or this variety of answers um and then you capture it you reflect on it um and then there are further things you can do as well with it so that's the sort of basic process of, of LEGO series Play.
0: Great. So as, as the facilitator then, are you asking specific questions about, say, what I've built to try and evoke some sort of story or maybe to have me think about what I've actually done in a more meaningful way? Or is it just very free-flowing, I just give you what I give you? So it's a bit of both.
2: Like there's the initial prompt question, which is getting you to build something. And then once you've built it and told the story, what you want is you want others on the table and, and you as facilitator to ask those sort of curious questions type questions like tell me more about this and so the aim is to get more and more out of the person um, and you know for the next person and the next person so yeah you can definitely do prompting questions to to dive deeper to reflect to connect the different ideas and then further along in the session there are other activities which allow you to connect different ideas so there's this way we do group models where we we start building some of these together or we lay them out in what's called a landscape and you can actually see like um, the connections and the, the the themes that pop out. So there's both through questions, but also through additional techniques in the method. You can sort of do more things with the ideas and the stories that are being that are being brought up. That's cool.
1: One of the bits that I, I found really lovely, and it, it's funny how when you see groups of humans do the same things over and over again, like people develop patterns around stuff. There. one of the bits that I've really loved is seeing how people adopt ownership of specific pieces or things through the process and then attach meaning. But I know Michael talks about that, but and it happened again Friday and it was like the, the minifig with the flower head became really central as a metaphor for the artist and mm. other things. And it, it just happens again and again. And it, it's not always consistent, although there are some colors or pieces or things where people tend to like anchor off the same metaphors for what they mean.
0: But it's really, really lovely. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's things that always come up with like fixed meaning. Ah millimeter's well, behind the right that could be what like people would take it's a stupid example red blocks if they're trying to show romance or something like that or is that what you're getting at
1: yeah yeah well I, I, the transparent pieces always take on meaning really interesting right, like wow wow
2: so i mean in the end, Chris, the bricks can be whatever you want them to be so yeah red could be emotion or anger or like if you want to bring in color or there's and because it's this system you know from from childhood where you can build whatever you want like you can combine them you can you know whatever you want to bring to the bricks that's what it is and that's why there's no right or wrong to this it's it's a form yes. of expression um and as long as people are bringing out what's inside them expressing that and you're putting it all on the table you know think think at the start of a lego series play session as the divergent side of things you just you ask the question you go big you go wide you get everyone's ideas down there. And then as you go along, you know, you, you know, this this process, you, you converge, you, you know, you categorize, you maybe vote on some things, but to be able to go wide and get everyone to, to express themselves, feel heard, get all those ideas on the table and then to say, okay, well, what are we taking? What are we going to go forward with? What are we going to use? Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, there's so much science. I won't dive into it, but there's so much science around metaphor and. You know externalization of ideas and oh my god i could go on forever that's that's the second book that i'm going to write it's just there's so much going on under the hood um Mm -hmm. and you know colors of bricks is is just one example
0: so you mentioned earlier as well that the actual set required to do lego serious play it's very specific so what's different about that comparative to all the bits that we've all got on our floor from where the kids are playing
2: there's sort of two sides to this like you can just do lego serious play with whatever lego you want like it's totally fine you don't need the special kits. But the reason why the special kits are there is because the pieces have been particularly chosen to enhance metaphor. And they're often ones that are not too themed. So, you know, on your floor, Chris, you might have like the Harry Potter or the Star Wars Lego. And if you did Lego series play with that, you might end up with some stories around that are influenced by those themes that are coming in from those, those life sets. So the sets that are official for Lego series play are more more generic they have still got wonderful things in there like they've got animals and tools and minifigures and you can still create a wonderful array of things but it it doesn't lead you down a particular path and that's that's why i think they're good but you don't have to use them like you can do whatever like i know i know kit like in brisbane they've got like a secondhand uh, uh lego place that just has you know you can just go buy bulk lego and just use that and it works perfectly fine as well.
1: Uh, my kids think I, I mean, I like to think they thought it anyway, but they've now affirmed I do have the best job in the world whilst having you know, a <laughs> whole load of Lego and things. I, I guess the surprise that I, ha- I had as well is that it's not just Lego, technically, or it's like not just one Lego system. So Duplo and the bigger, chunkier blocks make it. Oh, really? uh, yeah. I had a lovely moment, actually, at the brick resale place where this sort of surfer dude, super cool-looking guy came out with this big bag. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. He did look to me. He was like, whoa, Duplo's amazing, isn't it? And I just walked off. <laughs> <laughs> and it, was, it was not what I expected to come out of that first, which it, I was too narrow-minded, right? But right. <laughs> Jeep, though, I think, like, makes a really interesting point, that, like, well, what we're not aiming for is the perfect build. So I, I think I haven't experienced it yet, and I was interested with this type of the artists, in fact, but, like, groups like engineers or architects who will get into a perfect tower building competition are potentially not the ideal audience for LSP. Um, but if you've got a group and they, they don't really mind if things don't work precisely, or sometimes that's part that's part of the metaphor, right? Is that mm. things are unstable and they break down. That can be really interesting as possible
2: as well. Yeah, right. Just uh, with the uh, with the engineers and the architects, you just you just got to break them down a bit more to start with. Yeah. You got to work harder in the intro to un-, un sort of learn their idea
0: of Lego, and then yeah, after that they get it as well. If there's anyone sitting listening to the podcast thinking this sounds awesome, I'd love to give it a crack. I think my team would go really well with this what would be the first step that they would take good question
2: um the first thing to have in your mind is give it a go um and so how do you do that like where do you get the resources to give it a go so the reason i say give it a go is because you know we've been talking on this this podcast for a while about it but chris you you, you were in a session and you experienced it and i think that's the key to it is just to do it and and see if there's something there but you do need a little bit of guidance and so one of the things if you wanted to there is uh an open source guide on the internet just google or what we chat gpt this time i don't know what we what tool we're using but just just get out there and the open source lego series play guide is out there um i think that's okay i think i think there's probably better sort of starter guides but that's that's one official sort of guide that was done mm-hmm. um there's my book as well which is free on my website you can just go and download the pdf of it and you can start reading that and that that takes you Pretty much through everything you need. Like, um, that's definitely can, a self can I in theory, read, read that and facilitate the session for my team. You could. The the reason why I wrote that book is so that people can give it a go. Now there are there are further steps. There's training and things like that, like like the Kit went along to. And the reason why we provide that is because that sort of speeds you up. It gives you that depth of knowledge, the nuances within it. But I think if you're a decent enough facilitator, you could probably pick up the book and have a go at it. Um, but I I probably wouldn't do it for any high stakes, high risk type session. I'd want to do it probably with friends, family, and maybe, maybe colleagues and just like, you know, a smaller group to start with. Um, and then, but it's all there in the book, but I know, I know Kit, you can talk about the training as well. It's like, there's, there's a depth of practice that you can get by actually going along and and getting a lot of those questions answered. So I guess there's different stages because one thing i found is say in the education sector, there's a bunch of teachers that want to use this and they can't afford to come along to the training. Like it's very, it's very set up for a very corporate um, sort of market. Mm. And so like, what do they do? It's like, well, there, there are other sort of entry points for that. And knowing that there's, there's more depth if you want to go further with it. Yeah. I mean, I
1: I to what Michael says and I think for me, the advice would be first find a physical place to try it. So mm-hmm. can we do this virtually always comes up as part of discussions. I know my right. course, which I'm sure is amazing, but I, I recently did a session for uh, the amazing uh, women in agile group in Munich, which was great, but it was virtual and it does, it misses some of that, particularly of like handing the model to the person, even if it's your things. And I think this is, this is as it's best a technique to celebrate our physical presence with each mm-hmm. other. Um, the good bit of that is it's a global community as we've mentioned and like if you look for a meetup doing lsp as an intro in your city you'll probably find one if you're there so i think i'd suggest go and try it physically with someone locally would be my kind of first tip um and then really as michael says like if you do want to use it in a high stakes or even a medium stakes environment i think it's worth investing the time just as we would in any other discipline to actually get a bit of breathing space and like headspace away from things and I certainly find now that we can physically co-locate, I really enjoy a learning environment where I don't have all those other distractions. And like it being for this yeah. technique, particular kind of flourishes. So we did two days training. I think yeah. I probably absorbed as much knowledge as I could in like four days of virtual training. So I think like a physical introduction local to you. And then if you really like it, if you want to do something, investing that time together with
0: someone like Michael, worth its weight in gold. You know, that makes sense. Okay. We should say maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Is it growing in popularity? Yeah, it's a good question. So, I mean, just,
2: just on the history of it, so the method's been around over 20 years now. So the Lego group developed it as a sort of strategy vision type tool, sort of early 2000s. And they had it within them within their company until 2010. They, they licensed a few people to use it external, but really it was 2010 where they open sourced it. And so... Basically, from 2010, it was it was relatively unknown. Like, there weren't many people doing it. And it slowly built up. I, I came in in around 2013. Um, and different parts of the world have different sort of maturity levels, I can say that in terms of, or, well, you know, use in the market. And so things like Europe, Germany as a country is like the leader in using LEGO Series Play. So they are just hot for it. They understand it. They want to use it. And just everyone's using it there. I think Europe has that as well because I think obviously that's where it started in terms of Lego and Denmark. Um, South America has has taken it up as well. Um, Australia, North America, Asia, less so. Um, they sort of started back a bit um, in terms of historically there were certain people around the world that were training people and there just weren't many people in the US and Australia and Asia training people. Um, and so they're sort of a bit further behind in terms of uptake. Um, but it's definitely growing this, it's almost like it was a method before it's time. Like, you know, we talk about design thinking and we talk about, you know, I think of like 80s, the eighties and nineties as like this productivity efficiency sort of kick. Let's get the orange and squeeze as hard as we can to get as much juice out. We all know how that ends. Like the, the, the orange is just squeezed out. Like you can't, you can't efficient or productivity yourself to like innovation. It's like, yeah. And so this is why I think the last couple of decades with things like design thinking and other methods coming on board, I think Lego serious play, again, was developed fairly early on and, and the world is sort of just coming around understanding yeah. where it fits into to our toolkits. And so, um, look, my, my vision of it is the whole world will be doing it. And so, you know, we've, we've got a long way to do that, but it's, um, I think every, every office, every classroom should have a bag of Lego and they should be pulling this out when they need to. And so there's, there's definitely a lot more space for it in terms of usage but um it's slowly building there's a very dedicated community and they're all definitely in it for the long game because we see mm. what the method does and and why like if you, if you do it because you've seen this if you do it like how can this how can you not want this to be in other people's hands like everyone's hands like when i in 2013 like i was just a facilitator running it and I, my background was in training and i was just like why isn't everyone doing this and i had one guy saying to me why don't you just keep doing it michael and why, why are you teaching people And i'm like because everyone should be doing it. Like, it's just so good. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's sort of my mission in terms mm-hmm. of spreading LEGO series play, but there's a way to go. There's
0: definitely a part of me that wants to get it going in my office in some way, shape or form. So maybe I'll start with your book and see where I land. Yeah, go for it. I'm um, looking forward to hearing how that goes. Come in meet next time he's in Sydney and facilitate a session for us. Of course. I, I hypothesize, I think there's
1: two things as well that at least make a broader section of people more receptive to to using it as well. Now, I don't know how you'd even count, like how often it's being used. Maybe like like transactions of Lego satisfying <laughs> like, global four thousand Lego bricks. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the the first thing is just that uh, the growth in popularity of sort of complementary techniques, things like design thinking, the general reach of facilitation and like relating the families and that that's definitely great, right? So you you find more and more people where it's less of a jump to engage in that kind of like disruptive technique as part of things. And, you know, our agile world is part of driving, right? And we know that's great. I think the second thing, and it really makes me think of like another challenge that often comes up in people like, what about that miserable person? Like, will they do it too in the organization? That really serious one. And the bit that I've always loved seeing during COVID is the abundance of the the posh Lego models in the background of everyone's cameras, right? The camper van and things. And it's often in people who you might not associate being the most sparkling in terms of their optimism and energy. And you'll see yeah. that they you're like, oh. You spend like 30 hours assembling that that whatever it might be and I think actually there's more people who enjoy things that might be prepared to have accepted or share that previously and you see them really love having an excuse to open up and do something playful uh so I, I would hypothesize that it's growing because conjunction or uh, it's growing um and it's particularly aided by those kind of two things um, yes we
0: rediscovered the joy of something where they can experience those toys and enjoy it like even on a more basic level I'm, I'm sort of thinking what a brilliant excuse to bring people together if if we need one physically in a room and do something with our hands that isn't typing or clicking a mouse sort of thing like even that i think given what we've gone through people are probably more drawn to as an idea yeah, yeah. if you've got people physically in a room what a waste to just have them sit and watch bullet points and graphs exactly i'm a little bit conscious of time here so i want to ask you both what do you think is the one major advantage of using Lego serious play that people should be aware of? I'm going I'm to give you two. One, on. Nothing. <laughs> they sort
2: of go together. So I think Lego serious play hinges on two things. It hinges on engagement and creativity. And so engagement for me is about everyone being able to express themselves, everyone being heard, everyone being able to point to something and say, look, I contributed to the end result. And actually physically see that like i think that's a that's huge compared like comparing it to how you know we normally have meetings where it's you know it's the extroverts it's the powerful it's it's the ones at the top of the hierarchy that sort of control a lot of stuff so i think engagement is is one aspect of it um, and i think the other side of it is creativity it's just giving people a different way to think and you talked about hands before like it's very unique in terms of you're basically getting people to use their hands to help them think and it's it's almost like the hands become this this different search engine for the brain. It's like it's a different way into the knowledge they already have. Um, and it's just about them then expressing it through hands and through stories. So I think it's those two things. That's To me, that's the, the two things that Lego Series Play relies on. It's that 100% engagement, and, and I feel valued and heard. And, uh, you know, there's a diversity of ideas that are then put on the table. And then with creativity, it's about, well, the connection between those ideas. Um, and from that, you get the better result. I mean, in the end, it's about the result. It's like, what spits out the end is mm-hmm. hard business minds. You just you want that. The engagement and the creativity is good, and it and it helps. But in the end, you just you know we're in the we're in the business of change, and so you want something to come out that's different. Um, so yeah, I think engagement plus creativity equaling change. I think is is how I'd sum it up.
1: Yeah, I'm going to anchor off the creative word again, and I always remember the, I'm going to misquote him, but the the late great Sir Ken Robinson speaks passionately about how we educate people out of creativity in most of our kind of sections of society now. And I I think what's amazing about LSP is it acknowledges that and then gives you like this supercharged power to break through that and give people a license to be creative in a way where you don't have those barriers where you have to draw or have to be able to do something uh, to a particularly high standard, right? It's like it's it's so impossible to make a high standard in five minutes with assembling bricks, that you you just you have to be creative, and it builds a safe space to do that. So I think really, yeah,
0: circumventing our creative blockers is the is the magic of LSP. Awesome! Thank you, guys, have um, done a really good job of. I don't want to see it promoting it. It doesn't feel right, but bringing attention to it, oh. spreading the love, Chris, spreading the love, yes. spreading the love. That's what you've done. Um, listen, thank you both so much for jumping on the podcast, man. Really awesome to chat to you both about this in, in a bit of detail. And Kit, thank you for suggesting that we do this because I think it's really valuable. Really appreciate it. Thank you both. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Kit.